Welcome back to the Incomparables Game of Thrones Flashcast Season 6, Episode 4, The Book of the Stranger, which I mm, I did not pick up any books or strangers in this episode. I'm excited to talk about that with my guest co-host tonight, Aline Sims. Aline, thank you so much for joining us. Yay! Hi! Uh, thank you for not rage-quitting the season, as I was scared most people might, uh, given last season and much how this season's been going but uh yeah i'm really glad you uh stuck around to hang out with us yeah i very nearly quit about three times last season so the fact that i'm still here <laughs> i think uh cano- canonically is like a minor miracle that's so, more than we can say for most uh, george R. R. martin characters at this point that's very true all right what do you say we run through the plot and go over everything scene by scene and uh location by location because the show is so convenient in breaking it up for us uh let's start with the wall where there's been a lot going on this season at the wall we have Jon snow back uh which surprised absolutely no one aline i do want to talk to you about that how did you feel about john's resurrection okay so uh as a person who has read the books um they kind of leave off where John dies. And so I've wondered all this time, you know, what, what's happening with him. And he is one of my favorite characters. So I think if he hadn't been resurrected, I might not be watching right now. Um, so I am extremely happy that he is, is back and not, uh, you know, like a winter Walker, white Walker, whatever they call them. And, um, and seems to be, uh, John, uh, with you know some minor psychological damage but hopefully john well, i mean uh, when you're dead that tends to happen i'm sure yeah yeah <laughs> i think that there's there's definitely some some stuff that's allowed to happen but um for the most part he seems to be you know the the guy that we know so i'm, I'm excited to have him i'm glad that he's here um and i hope he makes it through to the very end me too i was a little concerned about where they would take him uh given you know, the fact that he, they killed him off and now he's back. And what, what's going to happen? Like, how is that going to affect him? How is that going to change him? How is that going to change everything else that's happened in the Night's Watch? And we're starting to get glimpses of that. Um, the biggest thing that affected his plot this episode, Sansa and Brienne just show up at the wall. Finally! I, you had a very different reaction than I did. You had a really? finally reaction? <laughs> Well, so I don't know. We're season six and they finally get someone reunited. Someone (laughs) knows like someone is there with a family member. And that's yeah, that's a finally thing as far as like the roadmap of the season that happened pretty quickly. And, you know, it was it it seemed fairly easy for them, you know, once they escaped Ramsey's clutches to get up there. But like. Yeah, I've been waiting five seasons for something like this to happen. So I I think I deserve a finally. The embrace they had as soon as they saw each other was incredible. I thought that was just the sweetest thing. I gave it more of a what in my notes, especially because given how they've stretched out the seasons and the time it takes people to get places. The fact they took them two episodes to get from Winterfell to the wall really surprised me. Yeah, I, I... I'm with you there, but I'm willing to let it go. And I think um, I think that might bode well for the pacing of the rest of the season, because I feel like we got bogged down in little things um, kind of historically. So mm-hmm. maybe now that they're not trying to match up the books so much, um, they're free to to kind of pace as they want to. And it may be more of a TV show pace rather than a very, very long book series pace. <laughs> um my first reaction 
my notes say Sansa reaches the wall. Now, how is she going to die? Because like, <laughs> no just, one bodes well when they get to the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that. And it's like been a goal, right? For for a long time, for, I don't know, years in Showtime, she's been trying to get to that wall and to John. And now she's finally there. So it's like, OK, well, she's attained that goal. Now, is 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 there more for her or what? Um, right, right. They had a really great talk about what comes next. And we're jumping yeah. ahead a little bit. But the their very last scene, they have everything set up to go to Winterfell and get Rickon back. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was my favorite part of this episode was finally a clear roadmap for at least some of the characters. Because, yeah. you know, given the pacing of the show and the fact that we have to visit five or six or seven different people every episode, different locations. It's been I felt left hanging by a lot of these threads. And here we are. At least we have something to look forward to next week. And knowing George R. R. Martin and everyone else involved, it's not going to happen. But at least we have some hope for the next six days. Yeah. And one thing I liked and I don't know, we'll talk we'll probably talk about this in a second. But as as the scene progresses or as as the scenes in the north kind of progress, um, you know, John and Sansa are arguing about Winterfell and Sansa's like, no, we need to go. We need to take it. We need to, you know, we need to go get it. It's our home. And my note here is, has she finally grown up? Because yes. we spent the first few seasons with her, like being the person that she was raised to be, I think, you know, kind of um, not necessarily someone with a lot of autonomy, someone who's... um uh, kind of whiny and waiting for people to serve her and she doing doing the thing that she was raised to do which is marry the king right and I guess that's been a theme like she's always done the things that she's supposed to do but she's never been the one advocating for what is best for her and I was like okay so finally we have Sansa showing some agency she's she's thinking politically she's maybe not in the Game of Thrones specifically, but the Game of Winterfell and the Game of, <laughs> you know, the North, maybe that's a thing that she's doing now. And I'm I'm pretty excited um, to see this, this more mature grown-up Sansa um, progress and see what happens with her. Oh, I me hope. too. I am so, so happy she's finally doing something. Uh, I feel like the theme of this episode is weak men. And the people that are trying to prop them up. Uh, this happens a few other times in uh, King's Landing. And it happens at one other point. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we'll get to it, I'm sure. Uh, at the very end. And throughout the whole thing, John's really beating this. I'm tired of fighting. I fought and mm-hmm. I lost. My watch is over because technicality, I'm dead. And my mm-hmm. watch has ended. But I still get more time after that. So he's been beating that drum. And Sansa is the strong one telling him to keep fighting and giving him a reason to keep doing this he mentions at one point where will you go um and then changes it to where will we go they're in this together thank god but he's like yeah i'm just gonna go south get warm Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's like the first thing that he says in the episode so it changed very quickly from i'm just gonna get warm and you know just kind of live out the rest of my life doing whatever to okay fine let's go to winterfell and rescue our brother and that was sansa's doing that's the most she's done, I believe, in the entire episode. Last season, I had a really long discussion with people about, um, I thought Santa was the weakest character in the show because, as we had previously said, she's been pushed around, really doing everything she was supposed to do. But I talked to people who said that, or believed that she was the uh, strongest character in the show for being able to put up with all the crap she's had to deal with, which I totally respect, but I'm glad mm-hmm. she's finally doing something with that. She's been 
her her growth has been astounding in these past four episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I do agree that she is a very strong character. She's just not a character I've particularly liked. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been... I don't know. I guess chameleon is the best word I can think of is she's she's done what she's needed to do to blend into whatever situation she's put in and survive. And there is a lot to applaud in that. You know, Mm -hmm. there's there is a lot to be said for being able to read people, read situations and kind of set yourself aside for what you believe is the greater good, whether, you know, you're misguided or not. There's there's something to be said for that, I think. No, no, definitely. Uh, the other thing that happened at the wall that uh, deserves mention is a really heartbreaking scene between the Red Woman, the Onion Knight, and Brienne, where they talk about uh, Stannis and mm-hmm. the fact that he was not the prince that was chosen uh, or prince that was promised by the Lord of Light. And given his tragic end and his daughter's tragic end, especially, I have yeah. in my notes, Onion Knight didn't know about the Princess Serene. Uh, in all caps, when I realized he didn't know that she was sacrificed at the end of last season. And I couldn't yeah. bear to watch that. Yeah, that was bad. That was that was one of the things that that almost sent me over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's going to be some sort of hell to pay because, I mean, Stannis was not her father. Like, I'm sorry. He was. <laughs> no, he, you're right. He was not a father. He was the man who sired her. I I mean, like, and that's in very, like, kind of animal husbandry terms, but that's really what it was. Like, he reproduced to have an heir, and then he was disappointed in who and what that heir turned out to be. And so he just kind of left her to do whatever. And that's when our, our Onion Knight, who is actually another one of my favorite characters, was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look out for this kid because who else is going to, at least on an emotional level? I miss their scenes together where she was teaching him to read and he was kind of giving her life advice and all these little things. And as simple as the stuff he was telling her was, it was so touching, so heartbreaking to see all that end. And you're definitely right. His arc or Stannis's arc was all about what he would give up. Yeah, from last season. His arc was all about um, what he would. Am Am I thinking of the right Baratheon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. Stannis's arc was all about. There's so many characters. There's Stannis's so many Stannis's arc was all about um, what he would give up for his victory, and the Red Woman enabled all of that. And seeing yep. Onion Knight as a uh, as a bit of that collateral was really heartbreaking. And yep. Brienne comes in and says, "All of that was in the past, but that doesn't mean I forget or I forgive." Oh man, she delivered that with a punch. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She's one of my favorite characters. I mean, she has had. So many arcs come and go and come and go, and I'm really glad to see her here, at least maybe reflecting on everything that she's been through and maybe being able to succeed at one of her uh, many oaths of uh, of valor and uh, <sighs> trust. Yeah, when she finally got to Sansa an episode or two ago, I was like, oh, thank God, you know, because she's been so desperate to to fulfill a promise that she's made, <laughs> you know, and she finally did. And I was like, oh, you know, good. <laughs> good, good. This is a good thing. This is a good thing in a show that's not full of uh, very many good things, yeah. including political intrigue in the veil. Uh, this was a scene that surprised me. We visited with the veil and saw the god awful little boy that was spoiled all throughout uh, the entire yeah. series. <laughs> Did you remember him? 
Oh, yes. I vividly remember that creepy little kid. Like I didn't. It, yeah. it took me a little while to get that. Uh, that was him when we uh, when we visited him being an archer and failing miserably, even though his yes men were like, good, keep going. Yep. Yeah. He. Oh, do not like this kid. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, especially the way he acts once uh, Littlefinger shows up and realizes he is a bit of uh, he, he's another person he can leverage um, this this episode and this show is all about you know young punk ass boys who have always been so privileged and waited on hand and foot being manipulated by people who know they can get under their skin mm-hmm. though here's a bit where um Littlefinger manipulates him to almost send one of his trusted guards who i can't remember was a recording character or not but one of his trusted guards uh through the moon door which we all remember when he threw people off the freaking mountain and it was let him fly fly oh god watching him and joffrey and to an extent um the new lannister king whose name i can't even remember uh, they um tommen tommen thank you thank you um Watching them be so gleeful and innocent and joyful and so awful at the same time is it adds salt to the wounds. I can't stand them. Yeah, there's so they set up this little Robin to be, I think, a little bit creepy. And it's it's kind of a belabored point. Um, I think last season they all kind of mesh together in my head. Um was like how fragile and frail he was and, you know, how um, he needed a lot of looking after and he's not kind of emotionally very stable. Mm-hmm. And like all of these things are are making me wonder if he's going to be kind of Joffrey-like. Um, I see a lot of that kind of um, selfishness and uh, like the sadisticness, like the moon door scenes I'm thinking of specifically. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering where he's going to be or if Littlefinger is going to actually be able to manipulate him to a point where he kind of keeps him reined in and harnesses his power rather than letting him be a sociopath. I, it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It is where that goes. Uh, Littlefinger is obviously the main character in this little arc because he's kind of rolled in and he was the only character we had seen in a while from this. And he just kind of shows up and does his thing very Tyrion like in that he commands the show with his deft tongue and quick wit. Mm-hmm. And he winds up being able to um, uh, control the situation to his will. And we see that creepy moment where they almost throw him through the moon door. But it ends with uh, the veil going after Sansa at Winterfell. Uh, everyone is going after Sansa at Winterfell, even though she's not there right now, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the wars to come, they mention the wars to come. Everyone mentions the wars to come. It's it's almost like this shows the greater good from Hot Fuzz. Just keep bringing it up, bringing it up. It's the new, um, <laughs> it's the new winter is coming. Is it the is. wars to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Yeah, so that's the veil. We'll see where that goes. I'm I'm glad to see Littlefinger back. This is the first time we see him this season, right? Yes. Yeah. First yeah. time in a while. I don't. I'm trying to think back to last season and the last time we saw him might have been when he left Stansa at Winterfell. I um, think so. So it's been a while, as far as I can recall, and I'm not sure. I'm wondering what he's been up to because it's been a while, right? It's been months and months it that has. he's been gone. I'm almost positive the last time. You're right. We did see him was um, dropping Sansa off at Winterfell and. Uh, he um there's the moment where he's accused of uh 
um, betraying uh, betraying Sansa and getting her mixed up in Winterfell, which is completely true. But then he <laughs> almost he accuses the other guy of maybe leaking plans. Who knows? Uh, so there we go. There's that tension, and there's the uh, there's the plot machinations there. But they're headed off to Winterfell, so we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, next up, we have Marine, where Tyrion is doing some political advising of his own, which was a nice change of pace. I'm glad to see some of uh, of King's Landing Tyrion back in this scene, even though it was a pretty difficult scene to stomach. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. he, 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 yeah. <laughs> Do we want to talk? It is going to be a tough one to talk about. It's complicated. um so he's he's doing he's doing what he's always done you know Tyrion plays the long game he is he is like that chess master who is thinking 10 moves ahead Mm -hmm. um and so he's he's playing the long game um which is a nice balance if Daenerys comes back ever because Daenerys is all about like this is what we're doing right now. This is the right thing to do right now. And Tyrion is like, okay, but let's, let's chill out. Let's think about what happens, you know, for the long haul, because like, what are the consequences of this thing you want to do? And how do we mitigate that? And um, how can we maybe make it more palatable? And so he's got, you know, he's, he's doing that thing. That's what he does. Um, And so, yeah, he's, they've, they've convened a meeting with, uh, with, the slavers and they're like yeah maybe maybe you keep slaves for a while longer yeah yeah like maybe we'll stop this eventually i mean he pissed off people from the get-go even inviting them there which was a controversial decision um to invite people in and you're right daenerys was all about okay we're gonna unshackle the slaves now we're gonna free the slaves and kill the masters and that decision was popular, obviously, because uh, the Sons of the Har- Harpy showed up. But the fact is, uh, as ideologically sound as that was, it left a city in shambles and an economy uh, kind of destroyed, which is the awful reality. And that's the thing. Tyrion seems to be all about the reality. Like, he says mm-hmm. at the very end of this that slavery is awful and we should end it immediately. War is also awful. and We should also end that immediately. What do you think I can do today? He is trying to be as objective as possible, which is not sensitive. <laughs> like the right. um, the fact that the um, that Grey Worm was so upset about um, letting slave trade continue for another seven years. It's like, oh, it's another seven years. Like, no, that is a long time. You're right. He is playing the long yeah. game. But to him, seven years is nothing. Yeah. And, and again, I don't. I think Tyrion is a lot more compassionate than he gets credit for. But again, I think that he does that thing where he he's balancing and like, okay, so we can be compassionate now or we can be compassionate for the next hundred hundreds of years. Yeah. And so, so what wins? Um, I, I personally am not on team seven more years of slavery for people. Good. Um, that's a good thing. But <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and, and it's extremely problematic and I think he recognizes that, but um, you know, he's like, well, what else am I going to do? Um, he's so the I don't know. One here. It's upsetting to see pragmatism be seven more years of slavery and cherry on top of the perfect awful cake offering women as quote unquote 
parting gift, which was mm-hmm. awful, and you could totally see that offended mm-hmm. everyone around him. Um, so that pragmatism is insensitive and upsetting and problematic, but he's probably going to be the one to get things done. We're going to talk about Daenerys later. She's not coming back for a while, I don't think. So he's the only one that's yeah. really going to be in charge of things. And it was interesting to see Westerosi uh, politics over in Marine because he was able to negotiate and compromise in a way that would happen across the sea. Um, I, I, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, the Sons of the Harpy will hopefully stop because even though, you know, they don't support the Sons of the Harpy, obviously, the support's going to stop regardless of what actually they said. Yeah, that was a nice line. That was nice, yeah. Um, and even more political machinations immediately after he kind of throws Grey Worm under the bus for the uh, other people outside of the chambers. He says, well, um, uh, Grey Worm agrees with me, right, Grey Worm? And he's like, uh, uh, I'm, it's, he says, I'm not a soldier. I'm a soldier, not a politician. There's a chance for peace. We should take it. So he, he, he has to agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, mm, that's a crappy situation. Like, Such a and, crappy situation. and, and the thing about, again, about Tyrion playing the long game is that he was, again, he was another person who was raised to play the Game of Thrones. And I think he's better at it than most people are because he's like, I've got to do this with my brain. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I don't command an army. I'm physically disadvantaged. Um, and and so, okay, how, how am I going to do this? And he does it by manipulating people. And it's something we see over and over and over again. And he he... He has a way of making people compromise or date compromises to their beliefs, which is kind of icky. Like it really put a is really technical word on it. It's icky. <laughs> That's the uh, the clinical term, icky. Yeah, yeah. Um, he subscribes to the break a few eggs for an omelet school yeah. of thought. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, again, I, I've been saying we'll see where this goes, but every single segment ends with like a little, right? Like something to hang your hat on, but not the most to look forward to next week. We'll we'll see where it yeah. goes. You know? <laughs> yeah. This well, this whole episode was, um, it it was resolution and opening. It was mm-hmm. resolution and beginning, and that's what we saw over and over and over again. Oh, dance is finally to you know to the wall. She finally is with John. Now, what's their next step? You know, little fingers back in the veil. What's the next step? Tyrion's meeting with these slavers. Now, what's the next step? It's not, we're not, I think so often we we're left in the middle of things. And this time we actually got resolution, but we also got the start. It was nice to not have scenes just be musings on whatever or talks about whatever. Yeah. We actually got some closure for a few things, but then answer, or more questions than answers in some cases. Uh, next up, we have Jorah looking for Danny. I want to save that for the end and lump all of that together with the last okay. scene, which was explosive. If you'll yeah. pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have King's Landing here and we have uh, Marjorie, uh, who is left, who's finally able to leave her chamber to have a conversation with Jonathan Price, the High Sparrow, who spins a yarn about his days as a cobbler. What do you think of the High Sparrow in general? I don't know. I, yeah. And I think that's very intentional. I think he's, um, 
I think he's interesting, but I I have doubts that he is as altruistic as he makes himself seem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what his long game is here. He is marked by everyone as a religious fanatic and the entire uh, religious movement as religious fanatics. And I feel like there's more to it than that, Um, especially Mm -hmm. here where he waxes poetic about this whole um, about his humble beginnings and his few ascents to the um, uh, what's the quote? I have it down here. Um, It was all part of a story that he told himself uh, that would disappear in the light after ascending to something better when he indulged in uh, sex and alcohol. And first of all, I'm wondering why he would tell this, if this is the truth, to Marjorie after all this time. She is the queen, but she's been a relatively small player in all this, given his relationship mm-hmm. with Cersei. Um, so, yeah, I am extremely confused about what's, gonna go- what's going on with the High Sparrow. He uh, speaks softly, but carries a very big stick in the form of his... Uh, his legions of religious followers. Uh, but he talks about uh, the light and how everything dissolves in the light and how seeking family is, uh, is the ultimate form of repentance for sins. So he locks her in the chamber with Lancel, who is going to hopefully uh, shine some light on her situation. And they have a really nice touching moment, which I really liked. Yeah, well, where she tells him to buck up. Um, <laughs> well, I I feel like, again, I mentioned this earlier, this is uh, weak men in the episode and the woman that are supporting yeah. them. Well, he's always been, Lancel's always been showy, right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of substance. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel really badly for them <laughs> trapped too. in the t- tower with no sunlight. You know, I was watching... As as Marjorie is being led to the sparrow and like the door opens and like for the first time in who knows how long she's seeing light, like actual sunlight. Not metaphorical light, actual right. sunlight. Like, <laughs> not not from the seven gods. It's light and and I was like, wow, that's gotta feel really good. Like as confusing as it seems like it was, it just, you know, she's just led and she goes wherever. Like that's got to be a nice moment to be like, oh, there's there's more than just that room. Right. And right. the sepsa reading at me. Exactly. Exactly. To the point where she was able to quote back at him things yeah. that she had learned. Um, so she goes to visit Lancel. They have a really intense, touching moment. And um, he talks all about how he wants it to stop and he just wants it finished. And I wonder what uh, the Sparrow's ulterior motive was here they even talk about it in the episode they say okay no i know that he wants me to help you confess uh but we're not going to do that we're going to stay strong we're going to make sure that everything's okay uh, at the end of this i wonder what his ulterior motive was in letting her see lancel so i was as i was watching i think it was to break her i mean because Lancel's already broken, right? But Marjorie's still herself. She's still strong. And they've shown this close relationship that they've had throughout the series. Well, since they were introduced. Mm-hmm. And I really think that getting going in this room and seeing her brother in a heap, 
I think it was to emotionally break her and kind of start uh, working uh, more proactively on bending her to their will. Because what what they were doing, reciting the seven pointed star at her is obviously not doing anything. So they've got to change tactics at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Like This is what you're doing to your brother. Do you want to make it stop? Confess like that along those lines. Yep. No, I'm a fan of that theory. Um, yeah, the Sparrow is always a confusing character for me. Jonathan Price is an incredible actor. I want him up for best supporting uh, actor. I think he's really shown in this season that he's uh, he's really dynamic and really interesting and confusing and confounding. And I'm a big fan of his performance in this. Uh, but we move on to Cersei, who is still dealing with the fallout of uh, everything with the High Sparrow and talking to uh Tommen about uh about Marjorie and uh everything that's been going on there. I like how she kicks out uh his advisor there like yes. uh, nope, you're not allowed in here. Grandmaster Parcel. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. <laughs> I I love that he hasn't changed a single bit since the first season. I feel like he's the only character that hasn't aged. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he looks pretty good. Yeah, I don't really know does. if we'll see him do any more stretches and squats, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. <laughs> uh, so, Pycelle is out. Um, I The little moments of uh, civil war inside the uh, uh, inside King's Landing really make me happy, especially with Jamie and uh, Cersei last episode when they're like, mm, nope, this is a small council meeting. You're not allowed here. Yep. Uh, but then they all just leave in an act of defiance. And I thought that was fantastic. But here is another conversation with uh, Tommen and Cersei where they have the strangest mother-son dynamic I've ever seen on television. Yeah, she, you want to talk about manipulative. She is, she's the master at manipulating her children. And she has enough to you know be able to like remember when joffrey was around and he and she was trying to control him as a loose cannon this must be a really nice uh respite from that where she right. could just say you're my son i love you and like okay i'm yours now there yep. was a moment a few episodes ago where uh where he said i, I want to do better for you i want you back in my life and i want you to be my advisor it was just an invitation for her to manipulate him and it was heartbreaking to watch yeah, I th- I think that Tommen is such, such he's too good for her. He's he is. Such, you know, and he's he's just ripe for for manipulation because you know, he he wasn't going to get the throne. It was going to be Joffrey and he was going to live his life and so he hasn't necessarily been groomed for for all of this and um and I think is he is the youngest, right? I th- think marcella was younger but was yes. she yeah so you know he was just doing whatever and i don't know i just feel really bad for him and i, I don't know that this will end well oh there's no way it's <laughs> there's going just, to <laughs> he, um, there's one point where he says you don't like marjorie do you like no you think <laughs> like, yeah he should have been able to uh pick up on that you know yeah it's <laughs> a little overt yeah uh, and then his conversation with the High Sparrow last week where he just kind of invited him to sit down next to him as they talk about family and what all that means and the mothers and everything. Uh, it was Mother's Day last week, which was fantastic. They always land something like that on Mother's Day. But uh, he says here, there's something that the High Sparrow told me and I need to tell you. 
smash cut to the next scene where they try to plan a civil war in King's Landing, which was Mm -hmm. a really nice thing to hang your hat on for this segment. Yeah. (laughs) Cersei and Jamie are just like, this is what's going to happen. Like, we're calling an army in. Yeah, they Uh got uh, they got Diana Rigg back, who is amazing. And they're going to call a uh, Tyrell army into King's Landing for whenever Marjorie is going to do her shame, 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 ding walk, which I never want to see again. I'm still scarred from last season. Yeah, that was that was close another... moment for rage quit. <laughs> yeah, that was like, I knew it was coming, but mm, yeah, I had no idea that was coming and I hope there's not another one. And the, the crappy thing is none of us know if there's actually going to yep. be another one. And none of us know if there's actually plans for another one uh has marjorie atoned has tommen told the truth has cersei relayed whether tommen told her back to the small council accurately we don't know any of this that one smash cut between tommen and this scene uh really left a lot of questions and i'm excited to see how this all falls out um it seems like there's a lot of setup for big 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 wars and battles happening which is going to be fantastic but uh, yeah, there's going to be a literal civil war once they uh, steal Marjorie from her uh, atonement. Yeah, it, it seems like I think they want it to be more like of a strike um, with, of course, there's going to be collateral damage rather than, you know, something that that uproots the city. But it's going. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see what happens. And I think this is where not knowing what the Sparrow's motivations are is truly um like a hindrance for trying to predict what's going to happen (laughs) because it's like, we don't know. We don't know what the ultimate goal is. Like we have a lot of lip service about, you know, this is something that needs to be done, you know, purified in the eyes of the gods and you know, all of that stuff. But if, if the point is to tear down the Royal family, of course they're going to make her do this thing. Right. Whereas if it's really about atonement and doing the right thing by the gods and all of that, you know, maybe she can confess and she can, she can do some kind of penance in the tower. I don't know, scrubbing it or or (laughs) washing walls or whatever. It's like she didn't pay a restaurant tab. Right. (laughs) Could do the dishes for a little while, (laughs) you know, like, like maybe that'll be that'll be okay, but since we don't know what his true motivation is, we just know what he said. It's hard to tell. No, no, I agree. Uh, especially when uh, they really underestimated him and thought, yeah, you know, he's just another small religious thing that is you know gaining traction. But we're still the royal family, and Cersei's atonement really destroyed her reputation and mm-hmm. really wrecked her, and is wrecking everyone. Uh, their impression of her in the eyes of the citizens. So if Marjorie does it, the actual queen, that's going to be awful to the point where they are like, okay, at this point, he's going to destroy our family and destroy our reputation. We need to end this now. Like this is code red for them. Right. Uh, So they're about to plan a civil war and they're trying to figure all that out. And that's a nice little thing to hang our hat on because something like big things haven't really happened in King's Landing since um joffrey's death a while ago i don't think like there hasn't really been a black water or uh i would yeah. not call the atonement walk last season a big event uh it was a scarring event but not like black water big <laughs> right uh what else we have thirsty king's landing looking at my notes oh reek theon yeah. Greyjoy. he's back at the iron islands for another emotional sibling scene 
This was not a finely scene for me, though. I, nope. I, I was not happy to see him back in the Iron Islands. Did you expect what was going to happen once he showed back up with uh, the really awful tirade from his sister to him? Um. Okay, so first of all, again, I didn't expect it to happen so quickly, kind of like Sansa reaching the wall. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be a few episodes. I thought we'd see his journey at sea or something happening. Um, So I wasn't, I guess I hadn't really considered what it would be like when he got there. And maybe I was thinking he wouldn't actually make it to the Iron Islands. Um, However, I'm not at all surprised. I mean, his sister has always been kind of... Um, again, going back manipulative and um, and his whole whole family is very um, uh, harsh, like um, n- not just physically, but like they're kind of emotionally abusive toward one another. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it seemed it was like all completely in character, I thought, and not at all surprising. I agree that it's not quite surprising, but I was expecting at least a little bit more. Oh, thank God you're alive. And she was upset that he was alive. <laughs> like they wasted resources trying to get him back. Right. Uh, and he just kind of gave up. And again, this was my next example of weak men being propped up by strong women to the point where he was crying about everything. And she says, stop crying. Why are you here? What do you want? Let's get this over with. And he wants to rule with her or at least help her rule. Uh, he believes that she would be the next ruler of the Iron Islands and should help her do that and not, you know, usurp that, even though he has a more legitimate uh, claim to it, given that he's the son. And I do believe he's older. So mm. we'll see where that goes. I, I do like the fact that, I mean, you're right. They are really harsh and uh, weather-worn. Like, they're in the Iron Islands. It's mm. off to the side. It's uh, really crude. They have their own drowned god. They have all these extra things that are so specific to them. They are. A hardy bunch, uh, to put it lightly, uh, which is, I, I think, why they had a really good uh, relationship with the Starks, or at least Theon did uh, for a while uh, in the first few seasons. But there we go. That's because they're, you know, up in the north, they're people uniting against really awful um, weather conditions and uh, placements in Westeros. And, you know, the north is so tight knit already that. I feel like the Iron Islands, as separated from they are as they are from everything else, is probably a good example of being so far removed from the rest rest of Westeros that they are really, really tight knit, but also really emotionally abusive because of it. Yeah, and physically, like mm-hmm. they they don't care. You know, you're ironborn. You're you pay the iron price. You, yeah, it's it's very much about being strong and and. They're they're great for the, they're an embodiment of toxic masculinity. You took in the words out of my mouth. Good call. You know they <laughs> are. They're very much like that. You don't show emotion. You don't. Uh, and, and it's not even they, they they prize thinking things through. They act and they do things and they say things and then they deal with the fallout later if they're alive for it. Um. So yeah, it's super. It's super interesting. It really is. Uh, my favorite line in this was, uh, uh, "Ramsey tore me into a thousand pieces." Yeah, he sent us one of them. Yeah. I was like, oh God, I forgot about that. And that was another thing. This is another seasons long payoff that I completely forgot about. There were moments. Uh, I mean, last week um, I wasn't on the show, and neither were you. But there was a moment where Arya really just recapped everything that had happened to her up until that point. I was like, "Oh yeah." 
That makes a lot of sense. And the same thing happened here where um, everything that happened since I think season three was when Theon was captured uh, after raiding Winterfell. All these years later, he finally returns to his family and they're like, where the hell were you? Like, right. all this stuff uh, paid off over seasons. That's why I love Game of Thrones. That's why, like, I remember I got the first DVD box set before I actually had an HBO subscription and there was a family tree insert printed along with it. it was oh, like, gosh. It's, it's, it's worth it to have all of that information so that after all these years, things like this pay off. So next up, we have uh, more wall action. Uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but there's a really awkward family dinner at the wall where they talk about how the food isn't good and how creepy. all this stuff happened. Yeah, it's really creepy. Like, there creepy. Was... like looking at Brienne, like, like I don't know. I don't, it was creepy. The people at the wall don't know how to take Brienne. She's a strong woman warrior who's kicking ass and not apologizing for it. They don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Um. And then the uh, the parchment shows up with the stamp of the flayed man on it. We're like, oh no, oh no, this can't yep. be good. This cannot be good. And uh, what it's does it not. say? What does it say? Uh, Rickon is in the dungeon. They're trying to get his bride back. Um, Sansa. They're trying to get her back. And then some more awful things. John echoed my sentiments about Ramsay. He's reading it. He's reading it. Uh, my men will. No, no, we're done. More of the same. I don't need to read mm-hmm. this. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about um about Ramsey at this point. Yeah, I'm so ready for him to die. I'm so ready for Ramsey to go away forever. I'm so upset with him. He is not like, <laughs> he's not at the top of your list. Nope. <laughs> not one bit. He is worse than Joffrey ever was in this respect yep. because as awful as Joffrey was, I feel like he didn't take joy in it the way that Ramsay does because he uh, didn't know better. I don't know about that. Ooh. I don't know about go. that. <laughs> I, I mean, do you remember, I can't, is, was it season one? Like the end of season one and he like was killing sex workers because he could. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think the difference between Joffrey and Ramsay is that Ramsay is a lot more uh, intentional than Joffrey ever was. Mm. Joffrey was angry and impulsive and he did things and people covered it up for him. Whereas Ramsay just doesn't care. He, he will like, he doesn't, it's not about covering up messes. It's about like, I don't know, like whatever. <laughs> it's just about him getting what he wants. And he's like the flayed man and the things that he did to Theon. He is very intentional and very, very sadistic. He's intentional and sadistic, but I feel like Joffrey didn't. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to say this because it sounds <laughs> awful. But I feel like Joffrey didn't appreciate what he was doing in the way that Ramsay does. Because Joffrey could always do these things. I feel like uh, there's a certain novelty for Ramsay every time he gets to torture someone or murder someone or do all these awful things to people that he appreciates it more because he doesn't come from the uh, background of privilege and uh, covering up that Joffrey did. To the point where his father said something along the lines of like... um, yeah, you, you're impulsive and uh, we need to clean up your messes. You can't be doing this. No one's ever said that to Joffrey. 
I'm trying to remember. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Something along those lines. Either yeah, way, um, I don't know. Ramsey, I I want less Ramsey immediately. Yeah, I'm uh, ready for him to be gone. He almost was gone. Uh, we were really, really, really hoping he would be gone, but <laughs> alas, Tonks came back for maybe five minutes of screen time <laughs> this season. Tonks just can't catch a break. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, in the scene that upset me the most this season. Tonks comes in after being uh, captured and uh, shown up uh, after last episode where Rickon and uh, Tonks are captured. They're brought back. We hadn't seen them in over a year. And like, oh, yay, there's going to be more Tonks this season. He shows up, uh, tries to seduce him in order to put him off his guard, uh, reaches for a knife. There's a point where a knife is in focus as they're petting heavily i guess you could say and like okay yes tonks go 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 we both texted each other our notes and they're both yep. just as panicked as you could imagine watching this scene happen and of course ramsey had a knife on him just as tonks reaches over grabs a knife and is about to stab him ramsey stabs tonks first and she is lying dead on the floor yeah that was not okay not Okay. Not okay. Yeah. Um, and I had this moment, I had this glimmer of hope, you know, that we have this, this, this wild woman, one of the free people, she's resourceful. She's, you know, she's, she's smart. She's freaking amazing. And then she's stabbed in the throat. And I was like, well, at the very least, maybe she can get him like as he gets hurt, like I had this moment of hope where like maybe this will actually happen. And that's probably mostly because I ra want Ramsey gone. Oh, me too. But, and I was just like, oh, I wanted I wanted more of her. And this is why I almost stopped watching last season is because it seemed like every time we were introduced to a new woman who was resourceful and smart and thoughtful and, you know, a, a strong woman. I know that that's a problematic phrase, but that's what I'm going to use. Who's a strong woman. And they killed her like every single time. And I was just like, I'm so tired of watching these, these new female characters die. And then, you know, we get OSHA back and, and I was like, yes, she's, she is going to be the one to do it. Cause if anyone can kill him, she can. And she doesn't. And it's another, another awesome woman who they've killed in the series. And it's just, I don't know, like we're going to see what happens in an episode or two, but I, they keep doing this and it's, it's problematic. I want to stop justifying it by saying, well, that's Ramsey. That's what he does. Wah, wah. That's the equivalent in game of Thrones of boys will be boys. That's not okay. I am so upset about the fact that they keep doing that. You're right. Thank you, Aline. Uh, so glad we, um, Finally got to talk about that because that really bothered me this episode. Uh, our notes are equally panicked and upset and angry. No, 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 Tonks, no. All caps in this. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, the last bit we haven't touched on yet is... Uh, I do want to bring up, because we we glossed over it in our pursuit of talking about Ramsey, that... I think I think that Sansa has convinced John to between the 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 free people and the people of the north who will be loyal to 
um, the Stark name or the idea of Stark, I guess John is a snow, um, that that maybe they will march on Winterfell and maybe maybe Sansa will be the one to off him because that would be kind of nice. Oh, that would be incredible. Uh, as much as I want that to happen, knowing the show and knowing yeah. the fact that they are sadistic bastards who hate, hate, hate doing uh, actual nice things, I wouldn't put it past them to not have that happen. But what can you do? <laughs> Yell on podcasts. Yell on podcasts. We're going to keep doing that for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. She is the one that convinced him to not just kind of give up um, and to actually march and maybe hopefully amass some kind of army to go on Winterfell and actually do something about it. And again, as we mentioned earlier, it's so nice to finally see Sansa have that kind of agency to actually yep. do that. Uh, next up and last up is. Uh, Daenerys in Vaz Dothrak, which is a place we haven't really been in years. I'm really glad that we're back. Um, but things aren't looking well for her. She has been um, sequestered off to the land of Call Widows, which I was really looking forward to some girl power here and maybe organizing an amazing Dothraki girl gang. But that really hasn't <laughs> seemed to have happened. Uh, no. given how bleak things are there and the fact that everyone there is resigned to, yeah, well, there was no place for us in the world anyway. We were just kind of wisdom for these men who were supposed to um, break the world like a stallion, but they're gone, so here we are, worthless. And Daenerys has been doing her best to fight back on that, which I think is awesome. And uh, I don't know, I'm really upset that that didn't really pay off as much as I had hoped, but there's a lot more that happens. Uh, there's a really great action sequence where uh, Jorah comes back and uh, is fighting people in uh, in the town, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> the whole, okay, so so what is the other dude's name? I can't remember. I can't remember. All I can remember okay. is that he's a dick. <laughs> he is. Um, if I, I just... <clears throat> <laughs> it's so bad. So... Bad. He is so gross. He is so gross. I do not know what she sees in him besides someone to have sex with. I just, oh, anyway. It's hard they... for me because I'm a young man, but you, I don't think your heart can take it. I have in my notes. Like, you're an <laughs> no. old. Oh, Asshole. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know if he's like intentionally just trying to badger him like that or yeah, actually is. think that okay okay you you I mean, think more maybe of him both <laughs> but like he he definitely like he has seen jorah's competition for like this whole time right and he's he's a manly man and mm -hmm. you know all that uh again toxic masculinity stereotypical baloney um <laughs> <laughs> but you know they're like they're like climbing in the desert and and like uh i don't know like We've got to leave our weapons behind. So what does the dude do? He takes a knife. He takes um, a knife. He's he's very attached to that knife, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, save, it saves knife. them later. Um, it which, does. Yeah. Um, even though he disobeyed the laws of the land, I'm kind of glad he had that. Even though I really did appreciate this little attention to detail where they said if they find someone with a stab wound, they're going to be looking for us. I was like, what? What does that mean? Oh, they use those weird like hook weapons and slice people's heads off instead of stabbing that's not how it works there so well instead, they also, bash his head in <laughs> well yeah and that and the fact that they had a weapon and you're not supposed to be armed there exactly um, 
Yeah, but I have in my notes, I feel like I'm watching The Walking Dead as they were they were bashing his head in to make it look like a blunt force, like blunt force trauma as opposed to a stabbing death because, you know, you're not really going to investigate further. Uh, I really want to see the uh, Westeros Forensic Files episode on this where they uh, <laughs> talk about, well, uh, researchers finally discovered that there was a stab wound in the body that nobody had noticed before because the head was smashed in with a boulder. <laughs> That must be fun. Uh, so they they fight their way through. They catch up with Daenerys, who is having a uh, really, really weird conversation with the uh, other woman there, who are all resigned to their place in life. And she comes out with uh, one of the other women, uh, one of the other widows, and uh, what she says to Jorah and uh, her other beau, who we hate, uh, is there's no way they're gonna get that we can get out of here, but there is something you can do, and you can help me with it. And we ended there, and I thought, oh come on, that's another teaser for next episode. Come mm-hmm. on, no, I want to see the end of it. That was really convenient timing, though. It just happened to stroll up right when she was walking out. I thought she that was planned. Talking. She really didn't seem that surprised to see them. I th- I kind of think that she just expects. I, I, she just rolls with things, right? Like, I've never <laughs> seen her actually outwardly phased by anything. She's just like, okay. And I think, you know, a childhood with that horrible, horrible brother of hers is probably pretty good preparation for, like, being very stoic. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot that surprises her, at least not outwardly. I mean, there was dragons that kind of showed up at the end of the season. So who knows? Yeah, she probably isn't I mean, that surprised. Yeah. Uh, so the next segment uh, in Vestothrak, which is awesome, I'm glad we got two uh, scenes there this week, was a council meeting with the Cal and all his other higher-ups and bros. And Daenerys shows up and says, uh, hey, you know who should rule? Me, because you guys are not doing such a hot job. And we get treated to a horribly, horrible tirade uh, towards her. And she says, no, no, I'm going to rule. It's okay. I'll do something about it. And then she burns the place down. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> I loved it. I'm sorry. That? I loved it. I just. um, She is one of the reasons why I continue to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, yeah, I, I don't really want to see people burn to death. That's not a thing that, <laughs> that I actually want to happen in real life. But it. it's it's this it's poetic right like she's powerful right and she's in this place in this um i i don't know this meeting house or this this i don't know temple or whatever it is and this is this is where she stood with her husband you know eating the heart of a horse which is you know not great but you know but it the, this place is a powerful, powerful place for her, and it's circling back around again. And and I, I really feel like that's where she claimed her power to begin with, like where she was really like, okay, this is this is going to be my life. This is like my destiny. Is mm-hmm. and this sounds really hippy dippy, but you know. <laughs> and then this is where we are again. She's been brought back to this place after she's been beaten down and dealing with. Um, you know, slavers and unrest and violence toward her people and an assassination attempt. And she is back again, being born from fire again um, 
to ostensibly lead people again. And I, I find it very poetic the way that this is circling around and starting over again. Oh, me too. The fact that she emerged from a burning thing uh, to a whole swath of new followers who immediately buckle to their knees and pledge their fealty to her. I thought that was awesome. Uh, mm. The fact that she is, again, the unburnt, as she likes to say in her uh, Usador length name. Uh, I like that she is there uh, running Dothraki things again. And I'm wondering at this point, she always wants to go back to Westeros. That's her ultimate goal is to get a navy, which burned down earlier in the season, and try to get the hell back to Westeros to see her people, who uh, are obviously all rooting for a Targaryen to come back to power, which we have seen absolutely none of, but that's beside the point. Uh, She just wants to get back to (laughs) Westeros. And the fact is, I don't think she is at this point. Maybe she just wants to stay on the other side, because she now has an army of Dothraki at her disposal. When The last time that happened, she spent almost all of her time going from city to city, season to season, arc to arc, boring to boring, because it just kept <laughs> happening. I love her as a it character, did. but much, yeah, there's, yeah. there was not much uh, variety for a while there. But I like that she seems really enamored with uh, the people to the east, to the point where I don't think she's going to come back to Westeros anytime soon uh, until she wants to cultivate the army and the culture she wants there. I know she is eventually. I mean, that's eventually going to be her. Um, uh, she wants to destroy Westeros with fire and dragons and blood Usurper. and Dothraki. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's not going to be for a while at this rate, where she's just amassing all this power. She needs to get everything organized first uh, with Tyrion's help, hopefully, before any of that can happen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's it's. I mean, building an army is a years long process. And when a lot of your army is comprised of people who are afraid of the water, um, <laughs> you've got kind of a pretty, a pretty big problem to solve and objections to overcome. And I mean, there's she, I, I don't know. She's done things I haven't agreed with before. So she probably will again, but she's not in a position to leave the East yet and go to Westeros because she's she, there's still unrest. She's got to get her people settled down before she can leave, mm-hmm. even with trusted advisors, and go try to conquer the world. I hope she does. Can she I just eventually. say, I hope that the whole <laughs> world, it's just Daenerys on top of everybody. Oh, that would be amazing. She should win the Game of Thrones at this she point. Did. Yes, totally. I want her to win. She is... That's the other thing I have in my notes. She is unapologetically a woman uh, because she is branding herself as the mother of dragons. She is always, you know, some kind of savior to them. Um, uh, There was graffiti in an earlier episode that was uh, kill all the masters. Um, And then someone said uh, Khaleesi is a master or Misa is a master in Marine. And she's furiously branding herself as a mother, as a woman. And she in the scene is completely naked as a reminder of that, which I it's bothersome in that, you know, they put another naked woman in the show, but I am a fan right. of the fact that she is, she owns it. I think in a way that most other people didn't, especially after coming from the, um, uh, coming from the clan of widowed uh, of a uh, call widows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. The nudity in the show's, 
problematic. I mean, we don't. Never mind. I, I've it's gone problematic. Off of, I agree. It's problematic. Um, I would be okay with it if it was equal. Like if we had just as many men as women being naked, it'd be okay. But I've you know, counted three in the entire show's <laughs> literally three. Yeah, I I totally believe it. Um, but uh, yeah, she uses her femininity in a lot of ways, and she's not afraid of it, which I think is is great. Like, as you've said, she's the mother of dragons. She, you know, she takes on a, a lover. Uh, I, I don't like him, but she, you know, she, she has a lover and it's not, you know, to reproduce. It's like, you know, just to have one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that that's, that is one of the things, one of the very few things that the show and the books um, do well is just let her be who she is. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm excited for the, uh, the scene next week where she goes back to Maureen and says, Oh, so, uh, how was your week? Oh yeah, I did nothing. Just did this. What about you? Oh, I got a whole nother army at my right. disposal. <laughs> I, I burned an important building in the capital city, came out naked. Oh yeah. Killed all the calls. And here we are. And here we are. I have all these extra people. They're like, what? And she'll have to be uh, Apple Genius Bar support again for all the people who have no idea what's going to happen without a cow. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Is there anything else you want to throw in uh, before we call it a night? I don't think so. I think this this is probably my favorite episode this season. Um, which probably means that next week I'm going to hate it and everyone I love is going to die and it's going to be like Ramsey and Cersei staring at each other and that's going to be the end of the series. I would not put them past that to do that because that's exactly what the show does. They raise our expectations. We're excited. I'm surprised that Sansa and Jon even got together for two scenes and they're going to kill someone. I'm positive. (laughs) Yep. All right. Uh, Hey, Aline, this has been fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show and talking Game of Thrones. I'm glad you didn't rage quit. Hopefully you don't rage quit next week, even though I'm uh, I wouldn't put it past them to do something that makes us all rage quit. (laughs) And then they have nobody to watch. Nobody to watch. It's going to be awful. Awful. (laughs) 